solo and group clinicians alike are buzzing about Therapy Notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals. With live customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and an extensive feature library, Therapy Notes is sure to streamline your workflow, giving you time to care more and worry less. Try them for two months free using promo code MODERN today. Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy. And one of the things that we see a lot of people make comments on in different Facebook groups, make comments to us, is that they, they got a phone call from a potential client who says, you're the first therapist who's answered the phone or returned my message. I've called 15, 20 other people. And then the discussions ultimately devolve into, well, I would never do that. I'd call everybody back. <laughs> I'll, I'll be one of the first to admit I'm occasionally one of those people who I don't get all of the phone calls returned. I don't follow up as quickly as I might. And I have my reasons for, but Katie, are you in the group that returns everything or are you human? Oh, I see. And that's mutually exclusive. That's mutually exclusive. I, I either am exactly like you or I'm, a, I'm an inhuman. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's fair, but um, I guess that probably means that I'm humanish. Uh, because I do anybody that's calling uh, for therapy services, an individual that's saying I'm seeking therapy for myself or my kid, I call back every person, even if it's not immediately, because sometimes I can't call back immediately, but I will call back everybody. Now I am on insurance panels, which you are not. And if I get a message saying, hi, this is so-and-so from this place, blah, 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 blah. And I am seeking services for one of our members. If you have immediate openings, call me back. If I have a meeting, immediate openings, I'll call back. If I don't, I do not. So I don't return all of the calls, especially not immediately, but I do return all of the people who have reached out seeking services. I've, I've returned all of those calls, even if it's after I get back from vacation, even if it sometimes is almost two days later, especially if it's somebody that I know I can't help, I might respond to it in a, in a day or two if, I've, if I'm really busy and I can't get right to it. But I do try to make sure I call everybody back. And I make my best efforts too. And sometimes my return phone calls are a week later because with me not being in network, some of the phone calls that I have the most difficult time calling back is, hi, I'm so-and-so. I'm looking for therapy for my 13-year-olds. And I was told that you're in whatever insurance company that it is, which I'm not, and calling to see if you're accepting new clients. And if you're not in network, can you refer me to somebody else who is in network? Mm-hmm. And so there's a real struggle that is, I'll reach out to some of the people that I know who accept insurance in my areas who might be able to work with this type of client, but in not being able to solidly answer some of the questions that are being asked, I might spend a couple of more days trying to reach out to people. And then what I end up in is this cycle of calling a bunch of therapists who are in network who aren't returning my calls. 
Well, and I think for me, what I end up doing, because usually if somebody's in network, this is a little tip for you, Kurt. If somebody's if somebody's looking for an in-network therapist, I will call them back right away and I'd say, yes, I'm in network, but I'm, I don't have space in my schedule right now or specialty doesn't line up or whatever. And I will ask them, do you have a, a list of therapists to, that you got from your insurance company? And then if they do, I'll ask them to kind of walk me through and I'll let them know if there's anybody that I would particularly recommend. And we'll talk about how to make referrals in a minute, or I'll help them by going onto an online directory to see who else I know and network in their area. And I will put the caveat, here are some names that you can look into. And I'm not sure if they're accepting clients. And maybe this is just kicking the can down the road, but I am trying to at least give them another place to look without taking responsibility for finding them a therapist completely. And this is really part of the struggle that I face is that how much time am I willing to spend in helping a client who is not going to end up in my practice to therapists who are likely not already part of my network in referring to them or passing clients along to them? If this is something that's now encompassing an hour, two, three hours out of the week, that's time that I'm having an opportunity cost to do things to further my business. If this is something that I can accomplish in probably five or so minutes, I'm happy to help people out. I'm at least that nice of a person where <laughs> I'm at least going to try and match something up. But it's then playing phone tag and it's trying to get back to people that – and this is part of if any of our listeners are not in network where I've been able to actually turn some of these clients into – seeking my services and being able to provide super bills to them for them to use out of network in the sense that, hey, look, I'm responsive. Mm -hmm. I'm actually turn returning your phone calls. You can get a hold of me. And this is something where as part of my business is if I'm available and it's appropriate for me to take a phone call, I'll answer the phone. Yeah. And so there's a lot of people that are kind of weirded out like, oh, I was expecting to get a machine, but now that I've got you and I'm like, that's why you pay out of network fees or that's why you pay my fee and get the super bill is this is the customer care service that I'm bringing. But for people who aren't going to end up in my practice or somebody in, in my group practice that is somebody that we're going to be able to provide services for, I have kind of a limit of how much that I'm going to be able to extend myself in order to help them achieve what they want to achieve. I, I have a slightly different opinion. I think for me, I got into this work to help people. And so when someone calls and they're in crisis, I want to do what I can to help them. But I do, I do agree that the balance is, is important. How much time I spend, uh, I have to admit, sometimes I do spend more time than I, I really have available to help some of these folks who are seeking referrals. And I think I have a lot of different reasons why I do it. Part of it is kind of the altruistic. I got into this business to help people and I want to make sure that people are able to access mental health services and there's a huge issue around that. I think the other part is that customer service aspects, you know, I've gotten some clients from that, whether it's referrals from these folks who were like, this woman spent time on the phone with me and I didn't get to have her as a therapist, but she seemed really cool. So here's her name. But I've also gotten referrals from the people I've referred these clients to and created more of a network. And in some ways, that's have kind of become the go-to person in my area for if you need to find a therapist, Katie's your gal. And, and if she's not the right person, she'll forward those along. And, and I think especially as a business coach for therapists, that also is helpful that I'm 
connecting with the community and, and getting them referrals that are appropriate. So we'll talk about appropriate referrals in a minute, but I think that there does need to be a balance. There's definitely been a couple of times when there's somebody who has continued to call me back because I was the person that they were able to get in touch with and they wanted to work with me and it wasn't an appropriate match. And so I was like, let me find you someone else. Let me help you with that because I, I you know, they were really connecting with me. And so I think you're right. I think we need to make sure that we're not spending way too much time on these referrals, but we also need to make sure that we've managed what we're responsible for and what feels good to us for our own practice. So so what are we responsible for legally and ethically? I think that before we move on to the responsibility, I've got one more point to make, okay. which is that part of this is in in your personal branding and go back and listen to our personal branding episode that Ideally, the clients who are calling you in the first place are people that you're going to motivate yourself to call back, even if they aren't going to match you in the first place, and being able to have your website and everything else reflect that. But to the point of what are we responsible for as far as referrals, this is a legal and ethical quagmire that nobody really explores in the sense that your responsibilities don't necessarily stop when you pass that client along to somebody else. For instance... On the legal end of things, one of the people who subleases from my office on an hourly basis has a specialty that lines up very, very close to mine, which is teenagers with behavior problems. He's a very, very close friend of mine. He's somebody that we did almost the entirety of our pre-licensed hours together. We got licensed within a month. We studied for our licensing test together. This, this person is very, very close to me. I have the opportunity to refer a number of clients to him based on specialty alone. But in looking at the relationship that there's a potential to be accused of receiving kickbacks because the more clients that he has, the more that he's ultimately paying me. And so when we're looking at any of the antitrust kickback laws, whether it's through some of the insurance company acts, whether it's a Medicaid, Medicare act, or anything else that governs professional corporation codes, you want to be careful that what you're doing is in fact actually for the best interest of the client and not necessarily something that you can be accused of receiving kickbacks for making those types of referrals, which are also against the ethics codes. So just to clarify, because I'm not sure if you said it, but it sounds like the kickback you're talking about is this this colleague of yours is renting space. So the more clients he sees, the more rent he pays. Is that right? That's correct. Okay. So to me, it seems like that this is something where if we get, I don't want to say bogged down with laws, because I really believe we need to follow the laws. <laughs> but I think if we get too concerned about the appearance of this, I think I think we can miss opportunities to do what's in the best interest of the client and what is clinically the, the most helpful. This is someone who you know and trust who has very solid clinical skills that you can feel very comfortable referring. And because of the fear that it could look like kickbacks, hypothetically, you're not making these referrals. And I think that would be very harmful. How do we defend against that? How do we make sure that we're not getting caught in these legal things where we get stuck not being able to, to serve our clients because of the relationships we have with people we might refer to? So I'm going to veer back into the laws on this, but this is something that I don't think that most therapists do, which is to actually keep a record of the calls that you receive. Whether they're people that you accept or not, 
you should be keeping a document of this person called me, asked me about this, and here's what my action was. Mm. So if somebody calls you looking for fill in the blank insurance company and you refer them to person down the street who you vetted or affirmed that there's an opening in their position, that's what you should document. Person A, B called about this insurance, referred them to so-and-so. You're following through, you're documenting. You should be doing this with every single phone call. Some of these phone calls that you're going to get are going to be case notes that you put into a client file. Mm -hmm. Client John Smith's dad called me and informed me about behavior problems at school this week. That's going to go in the case file, but you should also in a overall call log document. John Smith's dad called on this date, talked about case. Like you don't need to get into specifics about it, but you should be having a record of who is calling you and when. Therapy Notes not only combines billing, scheduling, and notes into one easy-to-use software, they now also offer group telehealth, up to 15 clients in a group session at a time, and secure messaging features. And with their 24-7 customer service, they're ready to assist you no matter where your practice takes you. Therapy Notes allows you to do it all. Whether you're a solo clinician or part of a group practice, you'll have all the tools for success at your fingertips with Therapy Notes. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. This isn't to say that referring to my colleague in my office isn't necessarily in the truest sense of the word solely for kickbacks. It may in fact be for the best interest of the client, it might be schedule availability. It might be something where he ultimately does end up seeing this client and ultimately does end up paying me more rent, but that should not be the sole factor of why I'm referring to him. If there's other people who have availability and working on these options that apply to a particular case, I should be able to demonstrate. I referred to the person who rented from me Another person in my office who lines up pretty well, who doesn't rent from me, maybe a business partner or somebody else who's on the lease with me, and a person who's in the neighborhood but isn't part of my building. I'm at least showing that I'm considering areas of best interest for the client by providing several referrals, but I know that a lot of us have been taught to provide a list of referrals, provide at least three referrals for people if you're not able to serve them, but providing a list doesn't even necessarily cover everything that you need to do. This sounds pretty intense and in-depth, but the question I have, (laughs) (laughs) the question I have is, do you have to preferentially not refer to somebody where you could be perceived as having a kickback or can they be part of the list? I mean, you've kind of answered that. They can can be part of the list, but ultimately on a legal and ethical responsibility, what you're trying to demonstrate is what's in the best interest of the client. For my subleaser in my office, my friend. You could almost make a case of if I don't refer to him, that might not be in the best interest of the client. So it's looking at each of these cases case by case, but not adhering solely to I'm only going to refer to people that are going to provide me with more rent money. Well, I think something that's kind of adjacent to that is I'm going to refer to people who refer to me, which in some ways is not a direct kickback as far as money. So I think there's not the legal pieces, but I think To me, on a business side, being able to refer to people where there is some benefit to you, you know, whether it's 
a, a good uh, continuing collegial relationship, more rent paid, that kind of stuff. It doesn't feel like that should be bad. I think as long as you also cover the best interest of the client and you're more likely to know if it's going to be in the best interest of the client when you're referring to colleagues more than once, when you're referring to colleagues who you've collaborated with, who refer to you, oftentimes you know their work better and it also benefits you. So I feel like that I want to clarify, is it something where if I'm referring to the people I know and the people who refer to me, is somebody going to get a stake on this? So I should really clarify, I am not a lawyer. <laughs> and <laughs> one of one of the guests that Katie and I are really trying to seek out is somebody who can come in and talk to us more in depth and hopefully in an entertaining sort of way about antitrust sort of situations. And if you have any referrals, reach out to us through our website at mtsgpodcast.com and let us know. And we're going to continue to work through our channels to find somebody who might fit this. But my concern in the situations that you're talking about, as far as referring to your friends, which I generally try to do too, and match up potential clients with who's going to respond well to them or provide the services that they need. But you're looking at a part of the antitrust laws that are around what's called cartels, which is kind of banding together as independent businesses in order to stifle competition with people who are outside of your little friend group. Mm -hmm. So again, you need to be able to demonstrate what's in the best interest of the client. I think for me, and I think probably right here, we should mention if you want to develop a good uh, network, you should listen to our, our in-person networking episode. It's one of our earliest episodes. But I think that's why we develop these networks is to really understand and know and vet the people who are making referrals to that we're collaborating with, that we do get these referrals. And I think for me, Yes, I, I hate the thought of being considered a cartel. That feels so like weird and <laughs> and kind of dangerous <laughs> and exciting, actually. But I, I think for me, I purposely am seeking out colleagues who I respect, colleagues who I think are going to do good work so I can spend time with them with the benefit to my business that I am going to get referrals from them and I can refer to them confidently. So how do we avoid becoming a cartel, Kurt? Because I'm going to refer to you, dude. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that. And at least recently, part of where we're seeing this is really being directed in response to some of the shady things going on on the bad end of the substance abuse industry, mm. that there's a number of treatment facilities that are very, very good. And there's some that look really, really bad because they're doing very, very bad things. And by extension of treating dual diagnosis, mental health issues within some of these facilities, some of this comes back to funding sources. And some funding sources across a multiple provider sort of treatment uh, setting where they might be getting some services in one facility and uh, might be psychiatric services in another, that all of the funding is going to get tied to one treatment facility. And so there's the the at least appearance of, if not actual kickbacks going into some of this competition sort of stuff. Again, the easiest way to do this is keep a call log, keep a list of who's calling you and what your actions are. That if you can demonstrate across time that Katie's not just referring clients only to me because, you know, if it's not obvious at this point, we, we've got a business partnership that... <laughs> <laughs> At some point, the money comes back to me, dude. At some point, it does. <laughs> I, mean, it, I mean, but our, our, our clinical practices are separate. Totally separate. I'm, I'm, I'm on a lease in 
my suite with other people who have their own individual offices that it's in the broader sense of the term, it's considered a partnership, but it's not a extension of my business. Now, the people who work for me, there's some debate on even referring to them that that's a kickback to me if I'm taking part of a fee split with them. Ah, uh, that feels like malarkey. So, I just wanted to say malarkey. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really something where your best defense is preparation. And I know that for most people in an individual practice or, you know, this is stuff that hopefully none of us are ever going to get accused of, but to document overall that your pattern is not just directing clients to me, that you are evaluating what clients needs are and you're matching them up with a number of providers. Your network might be 10, 15, 20 people who you keep referring to because of your familiarity with their practice, because you can at least say what seems in my knowledge to be the best interest of this client is Bob down the street and not Kurt because Bob has less distance to his office from where the client goes to school, then that's a reasonable thing as far as saying best interest of the client isn't necessarily perfect, but it's at least pretty good. Okay. That sounds good. I feel comfortable with that. I can refer to you when it's appropriate, when it matches your personal brand. But I think it also is something where I can feel comfortable in referring to people I know because I I have a better sense of if it's in the best interest of the client when I know you, when I've really experienced whether it's how you work or I've I've gotten to know you in real life. Thrizer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thrizer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate up front. From the client's perspective, Thrizer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thrizer manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thrizer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thrizer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. But is there a specific responsibility? I mean, is there a responsibility to have three referrals? Is there a responsibility to do something with those referrals to, you know, as far as whether it's a, oh, maybe you could try so-and-so, or I would highly recommend this person. Like, is are there distinctions that you have to do there to protect yourself? I make it a habit of, if I really stand behind somebody's work, and at this point, I know Katie well enough that if there's somebody in the South Bay of Los Angeles who's wanting to work with childhood abuse issues as an adult, I can fairly confidently say that- Fairly confidently say? I'm (laughs) fairly confident. I mean, even this, Katie's somebody that I love and respect, (laughs) and I'm fairly confident in her abilities. So Oh, oh dear. Okay, fine. Continue. But but I'm, okay. I, I would refer somebody to Katie. But if Katie's not able to take her on and somebody's asking me for other referrals who can work on these issues in the South Bay, 
I don't want to just go onto an online directory and pull out other people that I don't even know and say, yeah, I'm going to refer you to Katie and Jane and Sally. What I'm going to say is, I know Katie. In case she doesn't work, here's other people who provide these services in the South Bay that you might want to talk to. But I respect Katie and I want you to talk to her first. Would you make the distinction? Here are some other names of people who do these services. I am not familiar with your, their work, but you could, sh- could reach out to them to see if they're a match for you. Absolutely. Okay, good. That's what I do. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to be putting yourself into the situation of, well, somebody is in a different part of the city or different area or can't make my time that you're just pulling names out of one of these online directories and saying, I'm referring you to these people that this is where we as therapists, we want to help. But the people who are ultimately going to be after your license in a disciplinary sort of way are the types of people who get stuck on a word. And so if it seems like what I'm talking about is really ridiculous from our field, yeah, it kind of is. But from a lawyer, there could be a huge shade of difference between a referral and passing along information. I like that distinction. I think one place where I think therapists might get a little, I don't know if sidetracked or, or a little off kilter on this is there's a lot of people who will jump into one of the online Facebook groups and ask for referrals in an area. And, and sometimes somebody that you know, or somebody who you've familiar with their work will say, Hey, that's my specialty. Or somebody will say, Oh, so-and-so has a specialty. And so that you can refer them because you know them. But just because you've met somebody in an online forum, unless you have a really good sense of their work, you're still just passing along information. Those aren't referrals. That's here are some more names that I guess they're referrals in the the most basic sense, but they're not personal referrals with your strong recommendation. Don't don't try to oversell just to try to get this client moving along. Say, here are some additional names that I've heard that, that match your criteria and, and are accepting clients. And if you are participating in those groups, again, this is where you should have strong enough websites that show what your style is and show how you work. So that way you can start to vet some of those out as well. And go back and listen to our personal branding to hear some of the deeper reasons of why and how to craft some of those issues. But to have your website be able to put in there as, hey, I work with these clients, that that's going to better help other people make stronger, at least passing of information on to their clients. And it's going to benefit you in order to do that as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, I'm most concerned about as a referrer because I do a lot of referrals. And and it's not because I don't have a strong personal brand. I do want to respond to that. It's because as a leader in the community, as someone who has done a lot of networking, I'm the person that people know in the South Bay. And so oftentimes people outside of the area will say, oh, Katie will find you a therapist. And so, so as a referrer, as someone who gets a lot of these inquiries, I like to make sure that I'm doing it properly. And, and to make sure I'm doing it properly, it sounds like I, I need to do have a call log, make sure that I'm writing down each person who calls me and what was the disposition, make sure that if I'm making a referral rather than just passing along information that I actually know the person's work and that I would stand behind it because if they don't do good work and it's seen that it's not in the best, it's not in their best interest, then that could come back on me. And that if I'm passing along ref- information that I do so transparently, here is some more information, more people to reach out to. I am not familiar with their work, but they appear to line up with what you're looking for. So I wanted to give you some additional resources to check through 
However, I would like you to check into this person as this is somebody that I would recommend. Did I get it all? Pretty much. And I would say that in some other cases, keeping a call log and this kind of stuff serves to protect you in case there's ever a future client complaint, that there's a number of ways that this can be addressed. For example, um, this is kind of shifting off topic, and I'll come back to as far as call logs goes, but when I see clients at a reduced fee, in the informed consent with them, I make sure that there's still language showing my normal and customary rate is this. My agreed upon rate for these sessions is this. And because I want to demonstrate that a client knowingly entered into a relationship and I knowingly entered into a relationship where I'm already giving them some sort of extra treatment or sway monetarily. But where this comes in at call logs too is that if you have somebody who continuously calls you and takes 10 or 15 minutes of questions and isn't showing up in your office and you're not able to get them and you're not able to get them. And finally they come in and you have a handful of sessions and then they file a complaint against you. Again, this call log is going to help you be able to show in a potential disciplinary situation that you have extended yourself in a number of ways for the benefit of the client. And that can potentially sway a decision more in your favor that all right, this is a client who's demonstrating unhealthy patient behavior. That's a good point. I think for me, there's a whole other episode that probably, or or at least another discussion that we don't have time for today about when does someone become your client or when do you become clinically responsible for them? And I think that's beyond the scope of this conversation. But I think being able to document a number of things, especially the calls, that kind of stuff. And those of us who have been in community mental health are probably more likely to, to document those calls. I think for me, I'm really good at documenting calls if someone actually becomes a client, you know, all the calls leading up to the initial sessions as well as the sessions. But I think for the for the referrals, I think I'm a little less uh, diligent with that. So I'm going to improve that. But I think it also can really show you what you're doing, what's being presented so that you have that you can keep track of of where the treatment began because i think in truth when you're when you're having all these conversations you know there's stuff that's going to be impacted clinically and if it's a quick call that you're that you then forget about you know because you haven't documented it it won't then be reflected in the treatment you provide so i think it's just good common practice to make sure that you're keeping track of what you're doing as when you're when you're in your role as a therapist so i mean I think this is helpful. I think we can we can make sure that we're being responsive when we have calls, but make sure we balance how much time we spend on people who are not going to become our clients. Make looking at the the kind of feel good benefits of helping someone, even if they're not going to be your client. The business benefits of of making those referrals and and showing your showing good customer service to someone who may pass your name around because you were the person that answered the phone when they were looking for a therapist, and then documenting, making sure you've got a call log and making sure that you're really thoughtful and, and following the laws and ethics around making referrals. And if you're not getting calls, you know, that's another conversation. We'll bring that one up. <laughs> <laughs> and to really simplify this, it's be able to demonstrate what's in the best interest of your clients. So check out our website, mtsgpodcast.com. You can pull up all of our old episodes. You can check out our live events, including the super awesome Therapy Reimagined Conference coming up in October of 2018 here in the Los Angeles area. And until next time, I'm Kurt Whithelm with Katie Vernoy. 
Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. Thanks to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, use promo code MODERN for two free months. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions.